Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete. And I go by the name of AFO Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hi, oh, Pete. What a round, eh? Yeah, some injuries, some high scores. Actually, it was a pretty decent scoring round in AFL Fantasy. Uh, we've got some blowouts in actual AFL games. Yeah, it's it's a weird, you know, favourites are getting torched and just the scores coming in. Key forwards are back in vogue. Taggers are there. How's your team looking? It's all happening. Yeah, look, I'm pretty happy with the structure of my team. I just need a bit of luck with injuries. I, uh, I had Young, like many, but then Cornelio, who, who's not owned by many. So... Yeah, it's it's frustrating um, to say the least. But structure-wise and and everything else is looking pretty good. I just need that little bit of luck. Yeah, I wouldn't have changed uh, even if I could change the whole team right now. I wouldn't change that much in my team. Uh, I did have Hayden Young, but yeah, high ownership there for top rank coaches. I don't think that's going to hurt too much. So it's just where you pivot to from now. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't change that much. Um, and we'll see how we go for playing the long game. Okay, as always, if you retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter, you can go in with a chance at winning a Plus 6 podcast cap. Uh, just keep out for those links coming out on Twitter. We'll give some more away at the midway point of the season. Okay, AFL ratings Twitter accounts. Jump on, follow. All I ask in return are likes and retweets. And also jump on to aflratings.com.au for injury updates, some news, and some other stuff that is good for your fantasy game. Uh, remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, April 6th, and of course, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Okay, Jet, the attraction of a player's high score can set alarm bells going off for AFL Fantasy coaches. So a player scores 100, 120, and it's something random, or a couple of good weeks, uh, and all of a sudden, fantasy coaches, uh, that has caught their attention. So what are your thoughts when this happens? Yeah, look, it's probably happened a lot this year with the mid-prices, hasn't it? We've, we've had some mid-prices bob up and, and ton up, and everyone's jumped on um, in a flurry. And, and this round, again, is, is no exception. We've got um, CJ from the Hawks, who's done pretty well, and look, he's playing playing some great footy um, and t- just turned up and he seems to be the flavour of, of the week. And you've also got Ridley in defence who, in a real shellacking um, against the Saints, just got a lot of ball in that last second half anyway. Um, chip mark, chip mark. So, yeah, it's you take, you take the... Um, the numbers as they come and, and why they're occurring and, and just make sure you're you're analysing why they're occurring and you're trading for that reason. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, with a few blowouts there, uh, we've got some defenders and some other players scoring some random numbers uh, that might not be uh, consistent over an entire season. So just to keep an eye out there, why is that score popped in as much in, in a round and what can you expect over the course of the season. Uh, for me, I'll just revert back to uh, a player's role, a scoring ability and job security. So if the scores are starting to pop, if I like all three of those scenarios where a player's got a good role and they can score well over the course of the season and their job, job security is fine, well, then they tick a lot of boxes there for me. So then that's when I would look. I do sort of tend to ignore some players who are posting high scores, and we'll get into those later on to see where we stand with a like or dislike. Okay, 
tagging or cooler roles, as Adam Simpson has described them, are back in a strong way. How will you approach that this season from this point onwards? Yep. Yeah, obviously, if it's a weekly target, I'll, I'll probably avoid those that um, that are going to get tagged. Um, but, you know, we're playing the long game here. There are going to be midfielders. But, you know, if I was looking at Clayton Oliver, for example, who plays Geelong, you know O'Connor's going to go to him. So he's going to probably have a substandard game. So you, you drop off a week, especially after being tagged for half a game against GWS went before DeBoer got injured as well. So... Stuff like that, um, but you know, if it was two or three weeks down the track, I, I wouldn't pay too much attention. I, I'm about the now and what works, and really focused on bringing in those top players that I believe will be consistent from, you know, this point for the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, you've got to note it, but it's as long as if it's not happening in the short term, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, for me, it's we did talk about this on the podcast last year, is looking at those players that are number two or three as far as a fantasy or a player role in that team. Uh, so, for example, it's looking at a Jack McRae instead of a Marcus Bontempelli. Obviously, if we're talking real football now, Bontempelli gets the tag first off all the time. I would think that would be the case. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next one, this actually could change. But for me, it's Sam Walsh looking at the Sam Walsh as a target because Patrick Cripps gets the tag. Now, the question is, is that going to change? Because Walsh is off to a very hot start this season and he, he's having a big influence for the Blues. So just as a theory, do you still like him as a number two if Cripps is still getting the tag? And then we'll just discuss who's who's the number one. Just with Walsh specifically, I think his foot skills aren't the greatest, so I think he'll avoid the tag. Um, well, that, if he that pretty much answers the second question. Then. Yeah. So, so we're looking at Walsh yeah. then as a number two, and Cripps yeah, still, still is the tag, yeah? I, I would, personally, yeah. And for Geelong, and I'm just giving you three examples here, it's Cam Guthrie. You know, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, once Dangerfield comes back into that team, he's unless he's and playing Duncan majority too. forward, oh, well, Duncan as well, um, Guthrie's your number two or three, so mm. and we know he has a de- decent ceiling. So there are three players there that I would start to look at the alternative than than what the obvious actually would be. So it's just a couple of thoughts I would have there. Any final thoughts on that, Chip? Yeah, just with Guthrie specifically, you know, he was a top ranked player last year, so he's got the stats in the book, so to speak, and, and um, you know he can back it up. I wouldn't have thought ownership would be too strong on him as well. Uh, not at all. I tried to start him with the start of the season, then unfortunately didn't. <laughs> but he was one, yeah, preseason touting heavily for that reason. And the, the other one, we'll get into this as well with Geelong, but and Cam Guthrie later on. But I'll, I'll just tell you right now, Geelong got torched by Adelaide in round one. So what they've done since in rounds two and three, they've slowed down their ball movement. So we, yeah. you know, they're not a fast playing team. They're not built that way. So if they're going to slow down that ball movement again, all of a sudden Geelong start popping in what I think could be a pretty decent fantasy return. Your thoughts there, Jeff? I 100% agree. Absolutely, was thinking it yesterday watching that game. I was like, wow, they're um, they're down. playing to their yeah, they're playing to their terms, um, and the way they like to play football from previous seasons and their game plan. No matter what rule changes there are, they're going back to what they know, uh, and that was a short term shift. And just let me go back to round two there. The one thing I did notice when they played Brisbane is that they 
they started the game on fire. They got up like four goals early, and Brisbane now played them for the rest of the, you know, the final three and a half quarters. Okay, when they hit the fourth quarter, which was really interesting, Geelong really started to slow down the ball movement. Now, it was because Brisbane were coming hard at them, but they started to chip the ball around so badly, it was just so noticeable, yeah? So with, all of a sudden, yeah. we're bringing it up. Many, many goalers come back. Well, obviously, Dangerfield's in there. Um, and all of a sudden, the defenders are back there as well. So that's Tom Stewart. I'd be looking at him. Um, and yeah, Duncan, I would still think Duncan would be okay, but Guthrie might be the one there. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I think Guthrie's the first pick um, for the overall rank, just based on his ceiling. I think Duncan and his soft history, injury history, that would, would just hurt like buggery, given how many injuries we've had in three rounds. So um, I think Guthrie's a pick there. Yeah, okay. So Dangerfield, we know how to interrupt the preseason. Duncan as well had a... a more of a significant interrupted preseason. So mm. the one that's flying under the radar is Guthrie. So we'll get on to him later, and it'll be pretty much a lot for both of us. But anyway, okay, current assessments. Gold Coast Ruck situation. Unfortunately, we heard the news today that Jared Rich had done his ACL. Horrible news. Hopefully he recovers well in rehab, but that's 12 months on the sideline. So we're not only looking at this year's fantasy, we're looking at the start of next year. So that's probably going to be well into the start of the season from next year. Okay, so back to the scenario for the Gold Coast right now. Is it potentially Chris Burgess going to be rucky as a defender only in AFL Fantasy? And Zach Smith uh, is apparently three to four weeks away. So, you know, Chris Burgess, three to four weeks. What are you thinking there? Well, I think they would. there was comments today on Caleb Graham, a young key defender mm-hmm. who can play in the ruck. So, look, Chris Burgess, he, he scored 17 in the last quarter when Wits was out as that Ruckman. And he did score two goals in his 77 for the game. So you would think if he's playing, he's going to rest forward and, and hopefully bob up for a goal a game. But I, I don't mind it, as, as but I wouldn't start on your field. I would have him as bench cover. Um, I still think if he's going to get dominated in the Ruck, what is he going to offer around the ground in terms of mark? He's obviously a great mark, um, but he's not the best, you know, a disposal. So, yeah, it's it's bench cover only, given given his price. Yeah, with Zach Smith only three to four weeks away, I think we're in a like a Paul Hunter scenario. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, we know he could be he could be number one. It's not even a guarantee he could be number one. Um, Stuart, do you, do you talk about uh, going through a variety of players in that role? Hugh Greenwood could even you know take the rucks and, and become that like that fifth mid midfielder at, at contested sorry at clearances so you know we've seen Richmond go with Sean Grigg many years ago so and the Gold Coast are desperate for anything in the ruck situation right now uh, they could throw up anything over three to four weeks so I don't think it's a hundred percent guarantee uh, I do like Burgess it won't be for me I don't think I'm going to do it if it was a seven to eight week scenario where okay he was locked in to be that number one uh, yeah, that would be pretty much a smash play. But, you know, three to four weeks for Zach Smith, uh, it's a bit of a concern for me that it's only going to be short term. And you're pretty much guarantee- guaranteeing yourself another trade, Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's. I think the cash generation is is an issue now with, with what happened, team selection for Saturday's games and all those droppings of the of the kids. We, we're looking for cash generation. So I, I still, you know, wouldn't mind it on, as bench cover only. Mm. Okay, onto the Giants midfield, obviously with injuries to Stephen Canelio, Matt DeBoer, 
uh, we're going to see an influx of opportunities at the joints. So uh, the way that I see this playing out, now this, this is Leon Cameron we're talking about here, so anything's possible. So I would expect Tom Green to see a spike in inside centre bounce usage. Secondly, I would see a, I'd like to see a high usage from Tim Taranto, but then does it become like a tag situation? If he has played at a high usage through that center bounce, like we know he's got a monster ceiling, yeah? So yeah. He, he's the one where I think if he's left alone, that he can post some serious numbers. Uh, Josh Kelly, we obviously we know, is going to go uh, get some midfield usage, but he's more of, still of, more of an outside-type player. Uh, Tanner Bruin could be back in the mix. You know, obviously with two midfielders going out for the Giants, actually brings back Bruin back into the picture. He's at a quiet start. Now, he did play forward. Um, he's actually an inside midfielder, so he might get more opportunities there. So if you got him still stashed on his bench, I wouldn't sort of just uh, release him just yet. But anyway, your decision. And the other one there is Callum Ward could go back in and see a high usage at centre benches. So they've got a lot of options. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, the other one I throw in there, which just shocked me, and I think he tweeted it during the game, was Brett Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Um, it uh, was he was just, good. He was actually he good. was great because he's of his en- like naturally you feed off his energy. He's an mm. energy player, and and I think that's why he got the gig in there. Now I think he tweaked his ankle. I'm not yeah. sure where that's at. So um, it's not too bad. Yeah, if he gets up this week, I expect Brett Daniels to give a bit of fire and 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 life to that Giants midfield who. Very stagnant, but yeah, it's they're going to cover the the Canelo thing well. But coming back to Toronto, you, you would think he's going to have his fair share of moments yeah. in, the, in the guts. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be, and he's one of those discounted premiums who's done it before. You know, in 2019 he had a stellar year. So there's not a lot wrong in, in not picking him. You know, there's not there's not a lot of uh, Cons in, in picking Tim Taranto, in my opinion. Yeah, if look, if you can guarantee me, Jet, and say Taranto is going to be, you know, 80% centre bounces, if you can guarantee me uh, Taranto is not going to get tagged over the next seven to eight weeks, um, I am picking Taranto 100 times out of 100. So that's how bullish I am on him with regards to that midfield situation. But you know, we, we're relying on Leon Cameron to do the right thing, which is not necessarily going to be what we all think in the fantasy community. The other one I would like to mention is Toby Green. Mm-hmm. If he gets any whiff of midfield usage, we know he just, he can just rack it up. So that's the other one I'd be keeping a close eye on, and I'd be interested to see what happens this week with regards to Toby Green and his role. Because don't forget Brent Daniels, he can, look, they can sort of rotate between midfield and forward, both of them, now that we know that Brent Daniels can go in there. So if Toby Green can get up to, like, you know, man, if he had 50% centre bounces, oh, man, he, like, he's just an automatic for me. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, just what can we expect? But, yeah, just don't rule out Toby Green. Uh, not saying it's going to happen, but just keep an, any whiff of midfield usage and we know Cornelio's out for uh, 10 weeks, any whiff of midfield usage, man, he's a target for me. Okay, on to the next one. Now, with the change in rule, the player on the mark rule, what's happened is that players, yes, they're moving the ball faster, but it's hitting those forward targets a lot quicker. Obviously, players can't move on the mark. So 
that 45 kick um, and the sharp ball movement, players can actually uh, kick the ball lower and hit their targets inside forward. And one of those players that is popping right now is Taylor Walker. So he's pretty much the one that's gone off. You know, Tom Hawkins, slow start. Tom Lynch, Photographer, slow start. But Taylor Walker, man, they are looking for him at every opportunity. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, then I'll come back with some points, Jeff. Yeah, look, you're right. Um, watching him very heavily in the game uh, on the weekend. And he um, he's loving his footy, and, and they're, they're playing well with him, you know, kicking the ball to him. So everything's working for the Crows at the moment in with that style of play. Quick ball movement, kick it attacks, hopefully Yanks won't, if not, you know, they got their crummers on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. So nothing's going to change. Now, what I see with Taylor in the next couple of weeks, he's got North Melbourne, who have bugger all key defenders, and we all saw what um, Josh Bruce did to them on on the last round. And then they've got Fremantle, who are also depleted in tall defender stocks. So <laughs> Harry McCoy, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Mackay had um, seven, seven goals again. Yeah, yeah, on the against Frio. So again, that data tells us Taylor Walker's going to have pretty much three-figure scores for the next two weeks, and um, and that's a huge cash generation in in a time where I'm not seeing a lot of quality rooks put their hand up. You know, the fresh I'd hope for fresh faces by now in terms of the cheap rooks. Um, who knows what happens at team selection, but. I'm thinking about that cash generation, and I think Taylor Walker is um, that's a big positive. But it's only a short-term thing. So can you bring in someone for two, three weeks, and and then offload them? Is what you got to ask yourself. Yeah, there are multiple ways to make cash and generate cash, and then yeah, yeah to, to you know instead of paying up for someone, uh, you can pay less and, and pretty much get a, a midfielder that can average the same over a few weeks, is, so you can save money that way. Another scenario is obviously you, you just cut one rookie straight down to a 170k rookie, you make cash that way. And the one that you're talking about is you jump on Tex Walker for a couple of weeks in a couple of prime time matchups. You know, he picks up another 150k potentially, and all of a sudden, you know, you can do whatever that, with that cash and see just see how it plays out. You can go for the third week even because you're going to make more cash after that. So yeah. I don't mind that scenario. The, uh, the, the one that is sticky, it's just alarm bells are going off for me here. I just can't see, like for life of me, I just can't see how coaches are going to allow this type of ball movement. So well, we seen we see Geelong slow down the ball. Um, Hawthorne have tried to do that. They did try to do that against Richmond. Tried to do that against Geelong. Um, and the other one is we've seen Carlton go through a rebuild, yeah, a major rebuild. And, and they, I'm talking about North Melbourne here. And what what Doherty and Cade Simpson did was just they just kicked the ball to, to each other around half back, yeah. So what that does is it, it just re- reduces your scores against. So Fremantle we know last year, and specifically going to talk about the two upcoming teams for Tex Walker. Fremantle we know last year they started to chip the ball around. You know they, they were deplorable on the weekend. So there's a potential that they could start to do that to reduce the opposition scoring. Um, North Melbourne, oh my God, they are getting. And I just, I, once I looked at the preseason games, I just knew that teams who weren't organised or teams in an early stage of a rebuild phase are going to get absolutely torched. And North Melbourne, oh my God, 
if, yeah. if if David Noble doesn't shut down opposition scoring, man, they're going to concede. They're going to lose by 100 points every week. And I don't think... Look, long-term, North Melbourne are going to be fine, but I don't think the short-term pain is going to be acceptable for anyone, anyone at well, any level. Well, North Melbourne tr- tried to do what you just suggested in that first quarter. They tried to play, beat the Bulldogs at their own game and, yep. and keep the ball off. Did yep. you notice that? Yep. I, I, you know, It was clear to me. And then, you know, their disposal... Um, let them down when they turned it over and, and then the Bulldogs got a run on and it, then it just opened up in the second half. But, mm. yeah, look, it's it's a funny one. You're right. Do we, you know, Tex is their only focal point, specifically for Adelaide. What does David Noble do? What does Justin Longmuir do in the next two weeks? Yeah. So for the big picture, what are opposition coaches going to do? Okay. So just to, let's just park the ones for Justin Longmuir and Dave Noble. And just one final point on Dave Noble. He's been quite stubborn, man. He wants them to play fast, and they're just getting torched. So uh, that's just not sustainable for me, even in an early rebuild phase. Man, they've got to shut down that scoring. And the way you shut down the scoring is to hold the ball across halfback. You know, just Cade Simpson, you just correlate it. Cade Simpson, and you go yeah. Sam Doherty, and you just kick it around each other. Okay, we're conceding 80 points a game. You were still losing by 40 points, but that's more acceptable than getting blown out by 140 points each week. But big picture, I just can't see how coaches are just going to allow this scoring just to keep going. Scoring's up from 2019 when we played uh, these 20-minute quarters. So it's up by about five points, and... Based on round three, it was up by eight points. So a goal and a half per game just based on last week and nearly a full goal based on the season so far. So for me, key forwards, I think... And we haven't even got to winter. I mean, we have perfect exactly. conditions too. So yeah. w- once once we get some rain hit uh, some games, I think key forwards are going to not so much struggle, but I think you know it's obviously harder to post some decent scores when the ball is quite wet. So that's just my thoughts. I, like I'm, for me, I'm watching the football, I think it's great. Like even though the 140 points for North Melbourne, what they got beat by, you know, I still think, you know, I, I can understand where they're at. And for me, for me, if I was a North Melbourne fan, I actually couldn't care less how much they're going to lose by. They're going to finish last, highly likely. I don't think coaches overall are going to allow this to continue. And for me, Geelong, Chris got wrapped it up after one week. He's had enough. There's slow ball movement. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're built for. We get to winter. Exactly. It's going to be hard. I don't think key forwards long-term over the course of AFL fantasy um, season are still that viable. But, yeah, Textbook has a couple of great matchups coming up. So choose your poison, I guess. Yep. Yeah, look, yeah. Um, it's a short-term thing, again, just read it with, with Taylor Walker. Um, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not doing it. Uh, but good luck if you do. I think you're going to pick up some cash, and you know if you can keep going for 10, 15 rounds, uh, you're going to be on a monster bit. Okay, key players, Jep, that have a negative break-even. Just going to run through a few here. Chad Warner, James Jordan, Errol Gordon, Devin Robinson, your man, Miles Bergman, Lloyd Meek. So we're going to go with Warner first. Minus 23 break-even, still like him? Yeah, getting that inside midfield time, there's nothing not to like. He's a forward. Uh, James Rowbottom comes back into that team, but I don't. I think Warner's got his role in there. I don't think he's yeah, any time soon. Yeah, I, I agree. His form um, is going to keep him in there, and he's hoping it sticks around for a bit. James Jordan. Okay, James Harms is three weeks away from a return, so I still think Jordan is still fine in that midfield. 
and he's playing a little bit forward there and all over the ground, so I think he's having good impact. Minus 19 break to Evans, still like him, Jeff? Yeah, still like him, still on the field. No, yeah. no stresses there. Errol Gordon, what a start to agree. Uh, minus 18, I don't think it's even a consideration there. We both like him, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Devin Robinson uh, played his second AFL game uh, last weekend. So he played round one last year. He was quite in his first game. So obviously he's had a year to develop. Uh, he comes straight into that team and he had a major impact for the Lions. So obviously Cam Rain are going out and if Lockie Neal's getting attention, which he didn't get last week, uh, Robinson starts to become in play. We've got Berry to come back into that team. We've got obviously Lions as an inside mid there. But as we sort of messaged each other over the weekend about Robertson, what I said was that he did get a lot of ball on the outside, and a, couple, a few of those plus, mm-hmm. plus sixes. So he's minus 17 break even. Uh, he's a target for me. What about you, Jeff? We, uh, you brought him in, I think. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I traded him in. Um, the theory was we had Tom, young Tom Berry playing forward, so I didn't think Devon Robinson was going to stick to that or get stuck in a forward half-forward role. I thought he'd play midfield. And then I took a punt and started him on my field, and it paid off. Um, now... The performance of Devin Robinson for the Brisbane Lions was pretty pretty awesome for a second game. Huh? Yeah. And I think people are overlooking that. Yes, you've got the stars to come back, well, you know, Jared Berry and others to come back in, the stalwarts. But let's just look at have a look at the impact he actually had on that game, and it was significant. And people are overlooking that, and um, I just want that to be clear. So for me, he's a lot to play this week, and I'll, I'll put my hand on that. I, I can't see how he gets dropped. Personally, yeah, I can't but you know, stranger things have happened. So, and he doesn't have to play that inside midfield role, as you said. He was actually as damaging outside as he was inside. And what I was really impressed with was his decision making. You know, he's not the quickest bloke around, but he knows where the ball is going to go, and he knows how to get there before anyone else. So, um, yeah, lots of like about him. Um, and Brisbane have got a good young fella there for for many years to come. So, in terms of fantasy. Definitely your number one trading target for um you know from a rookie point of view. So it's um it's a no brainer. Even if he lasts two three weeks, doesn't matter. He could be in and out of that team all year. When you've got a guy that can score in the 90s, a rookie that can score in the 90s, you can't ignore that. Yeah, for me, if I'm Chris Fagan, I'm playing him every week from this point onwards because you've actually like obviously they knew he was quality when he was drafted by the Lions. Uh, and what we did see from his under-18 level was, you know, for Western Australia, that he was was actual quality as an inside mid. Uh, for me, what I said in last year's pre-season podcast, where he just needed to clean up his inside contested work with regards to his di- disposal del- delivery and his clearances, it looked like he cleaned up a whole lot. So uh, for me, his development over 12 months, I think it's been fantastic. Uh, for me, um, I'm quite bullish on him long-term, but we'll see how that plays out. You make some very good points there. Miles Bergman, Port Adelaide, Jep. Obviously, we've seen him um, omitted, and he was the medical sub, so thankfully he didn't get on the ground. It saved his break even a minus six. Uh, I still like him. Now, the benefit of Port Adelaide getting trounced is that Hinkley might revert back to uh, one of those tours back out of that team, which could see Bergman come back in. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I thought they are still shocked they played too tall. I tweeted out um, that there was light rain, and um, and you know I was at the pub next door to the ground early, and and there was light rain. It was that heavy, humid, sort of heavily droplet rain and um, I was like oh how long is this going to last doesn't rain too long here in Perth the wind normally takes it through but it hung around for a bit and then it rained during the game and they still still went in with full tools but 
rain aside, they just look slow. Yeah. And although West Coast dominated the midfield and every stoppage known to man, um, and Natanui thankfully was there, it's um, they just couldn't get any run on, and that's their go-to. So I'm not saying Bergman's a runner, obviously, but I just felt like they went too tall and they could have rotated better, and they didn't seem like they had a, a lot of rotations through defence either. So I'm expecting to come back. You've got Lockie Jones also in the background though, so. Lockie Jones played his first uh, Sanford game. Yeah, yeah. so whether he's this week or next week, we just got to bear that in mind because he's a bull and he can he can break lines. Um, and personally, I think he's actually more value to the Port Adelaide side being able to break those lines than Bergman is, where Bergman's your, your silky disposal kick, kick player, and they've got plenty of those in... Dan Houston's the first one that comes to mind that already behind the ball that uses it really, really well. So um, I've still got him. I hope he plays this week. You know, we probably selfishly need one or two more games out of him and then we can offload him. But, um, yeah, it's up to Hinkley and we all know how stubborn Hinkley can be. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, We'll see how far Jones is away. Still got some development from what I've seen in the preseason. But, yeah, he, he will get a run at some stage this year, I would think. Okay, on to uh, just the last one there, Lord Meek. He's minus two break-even. He's actually improved from uh, round one, uh, but just whether Longmuir can hang on f- with a dual ruck set-up, Darcy and Meek. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out, Jep. Yeah, and, and I heard on the uh, news tonight that um, Rory Lobb's one or two weeks away, yes. so um, that, that spells trouble for Meek. Pretty much so. Okay, we're going to talk about three players here, key players, uh, 130 or more break even, and going to have a little bit of a discussion on each. So Max Gorn is a break even and 130. Thoughts on Gorn at this stage, Jeff? So for wits owners, if I had wits, and luckily I don't, um, I'd trade him up to Gorn. I wouldn't muck around. I think it's just um, just get it sorted. You know, Gorn, you, you tweeted today that he has had three different roles in three games mm. and it varies week to week, which was quite interesting um, comments from him. But um, basically, he's Mr. Fix-It. And if they think they need him behind the ball, then they'll put him behind the ball. And if they think they need him forward, they'll just chuck him forward. So, so to me, he's he's a threat more behind the ball than he is in front of goals. He's not the greatest cold kicker in the world. But that aside, look, let's be honest, he's going to score... Very, very well from here this point onwards. If you don't get him this week, it's probably next week. I'm looking, you know, I still like Flynn as the R2 option. You know, he's averaging 83, and um, that's pretty pretty great for for 170k rook. So um, I'm sticking with the cash generation of Flynn on my ground because of his scoring potential and... um, but, yeah, obviously Flynn will turn into Gorn at some point. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned Gorn sitting behind the ball because it just, it just tweaked uh, something that I started to notice in round three. It was, you know, and I did talk about it early in the podcast where coaches, I don't think coaches are going to let it let this last too much longer. So one of the ways which they could, you know, restrict opposition key forwards is to stick that Ruckman straight in defensive 50, and used to stay there all day. Once the ball's bounced in the middle, just go back and just sit in that hole, yeah? So yeah. We've, seen, we've seen Jim Steins win a brown load, but just playing that exact role. Like, this is, I'm going back way back, way back, looking at 
you know, YouTube videos of Steins. But that's exactly what he did. He sat back in defensive 50 and just intercept marks all day. Gorn, we know he can do that at a high level. Grundy's another one that can do that. And I've got Nan Curvis. And I started to notice that he started to doing that on the weekend as well. Obviously, with Sydney were torching the Tigers, so you know they needed to fill some holes. And, and Nank goes back into defensive 50, which he does all the time anyway. But it's just something I started to notice there. So if Gorn can start to do that, yes, he's back in play in a major way. Uh, but yeah, it's something to keep an eye out for Rucks. And you know, if they start taking intercept marks in defence, you know, some of those scores could start to pop again. Okay. Can I just sorry? Can yep. I just add one thing with that comment and Gorn behind the ball is I don't feel like they need to have him behind the ball because they've got Lever and Stephen, Stephen May, May swallowing yeah. up everything. Yeah. yeah. So you know, in round one, Gorn was interviewed at half time and said, oh, "I'm a bit in no man's land trying to go behind the ball, but Maisie and He's and leaves are, are taking everything. So he was sort of in no man's land, lost and didn't find the footy and scored really poorly. Yeah. So to me. If I'm Goodwin, do you really need Gorn filling in the hole? Mm. Probably not. If if May and Lever informed, you know, it, it will vary week to week with the matchups and and the threats that forwards pose. But I think Gorn's go-to from here is forward of the ball, you know, and just being a pillar in forward fifty, taking marks and trying to kick some goals. Yeah, and as we sort of talked about a little bit earlier, there could be just matchup dependent. Mm. You know, from week to week. So, who knows where it is? But if he goes back, he can. Look, for me, I think he can just impact anywhere on the ground, regardless. Yeah. So, for me, yeah. it's like, okay. Uh, the next one we'll talk about is Jack McRae. Any interest in McRae? Either if you do do own him or you don't. But a break even of one thirty. Now, what I did talk about earlier in your podcast is targeting those number twos and threes. We know Bont is the number one tag at the Bulldogs. McRae comes in there. Uh, it's break even 131. So for those who don't own him, Chip, what is your recommendation? Oh, absolutely, bring him in. What um, interesting stat this afternoon that came out was the centre bounce attendances, um, and Trelaw was up. McRae wasn't affected, but Dunkley was. Mm. So with that data, and after you know there was a lot of centre bounces on the weekend after all those goals. So. Yeah, it good good to know, and then it ticks a box for McRae for for here on in for the season. Yeah, and just just on North Melbourne, um, North Melbourne ran with uh, four different tags on Bontem Pally each quarter, so one each quarter. So just a different way that they're approaching it, North Melbourne. They're just running a few players through different roles, but obviously Bont was the tag. Okay, on to Adelaide. Uh, ruck situation, and it's Rolly O'Brien. His break even on 136, which goes down uh, late against uh, the Crows in round three, and O'Brien starts to get those scores ticking over. He's had a very poor start for the season. I think for those who have spent down, uh, you can wait quite a few weeks with O'Brien for a target. Break even on 136, there's no rush to get him. See how that plays out. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, again, Wits owners, if I had Wits, I would not be trading him to O'Brien. I just, no nonsense, straight to go on and get on with it, move on. So um, I think Riley O'Brien, for whatever reason, is down on confidence. Um, I don't know why, because he's a fantastic player. Um, but he hopefully he found a bit in that second half of last round. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just too risky. 681000 priced at. So he's, he's value there, but... You know, he was getting tarred up before Wits got injured, so that's another concern. So, yeah, avoid for me. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd wait to drop a, a, a lot more cash before I'd consider. Okay, Jep, on to a few key players for the listeners. Thank you for those that have sent some in. Uh, so it's time to play like or dislike and add a comment if you like. Uh, we're going to do a 20-pack. Let me just count how many we've got there. We're going to do a 20-pack uh, tonight, so try and get through those. I'm going to stop on two of those players and throw some data at you. I'll, wait. I'll let you know when we get to that. So first off uh, the bat, we're going to go Isaac Cumming. Obviously, he's taking a lot of kick-ins for the Giants, 29 disposals on the weekend. He's taking his marks there as well. Uh, I like him. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I like him too. Uh, and I think this is the last week really to, to, for him to be considered before he, you know, that price becomes too high. Yep, Oleg Markov, Gold Coast. We know he's a half-back uh, line-breaker there at the Suns. Um, I do. I did start with him. I still like him. And despite a somewhat moderate score on the weekend, I think the Gold Coast defenders are in a good position. You know, now with without wits, and if they start to concede centre clearances, that could see a lot of traffic hit that defensive 50 for the Suns. You know, which might mean some more opportunities for like a Jack Bowers or a Oleg Markov type. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, um, I still like Markov as well, and he's got Carlton, the Bulldogs, over the next couple of weeks. So Markov's not one to stick around long term. You want to trade him up or down eventually. So, um, yeah, it's just um, it's continuing the merry ways. And then for new owners, I'd definitely bring him in, but probably have coming ahead of Markov in saying that. Okay. Speaking of traffic, and a player that's seen a lot of traffic in D50 for the Kangaroos <laughs> on the weekend, Jack Zebel. Uh, I kind of like uh, Zebel quite a lot here because obviously if they're going to con- they're going to concede that many goals per game, which they probably won't, um, he's going to see a lot of traffic. Now I did talk about a Kate Simpson sort of Sam Doherty, you know, a few years ago when the Blues wanted to restrict scoring. Zebel is right in that zone. If David Noble wants to shut down scoring, Zebel's going to see a lot of plus sixes. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't mind it. The only thing is the Luke McDonald effect and what happens to Zebel's scoring potential when Luke McDonald comes back in. Um, and that's a big you know, question mark. We don't know how it's going to play out because we've got David Noble as a new coach and we've we got um, McDonald probably not at 100% fitness, might get rushed back in for some more stability behind the ball. So, um, yeah, it's... It's an interesting one. I just can't do it again because of age and I'm just worried about these soft tissue problems and, and all the rest of it, him peeing in a calf. I can see it. I'll bring him in round four or whatever it is, five, and um, he pings a calf and you'd be cursing yourself. Why? Because that's the risk. You know, that's a risk with these guys over 30. Okay, on to these two players. So I'm going to run through Sam Walsh and then do an Andrew Gaff and then I'm going to do a little bit of a... Um, comparison, uh, just on some data there that I've dragged up today. Okay, Sam Walsh, Jeb, he's number two. Jeb, uh, man, he's he seen a lot of it on the weekend. Uh, 37 disposals. Uh, he was everywhere. Nobody stopped him, and he posted a score of 116. Like or dislike, Jeb? Look, I'm an owner, and I like him. I'm worried about his handball happiness. He handballs a lot, and that does kind of affects his scores. But um, yeah, he he really was. He's just Carlton's number one mid. You you see, Teague's giving him the keys and said, "Here, this is your midfield now. You you're running the show." So that's the way I see it. 
um, for that reason. And like I said previously in this podcast, I don't think he's the greatest kick in the world, so I don't think he'll get tagged personally. I could be wrong because some of his inside work against Freire with that quick handball out was pretty damn good. Um, so that could change, but, yeah, big like for Sam Walsh for me. I also think there's some chance to get that tag, but we'll see how that plays out. Mm. I think he's had a fantastic start to the season, and then if you want to brand low Smokey, I think he could be holding yeah. quite well right now. Okay, on to our mate, or more or less your mate, Andrew Gaff. Uh, you went to a game on the weekend, didn't you? I did. And, and, you, threw some, think... and you threw some chips on Optus Stadium for him pre-game, didn't you? Oh, I must have, because... Man, seagull I... territory. Oh, man, he was yeah. he went off. So he pops, so, he pops for 154 points. He was everywhere. He was used inside. And funny enough, Adam Simpson came out um, post-game post and said, we actually didn't change anything. But for me, I do, it was a lot of more inside usage for me from what I could see from a visual point of view. Your thoughts, Jeb? I like. Yeah. So I think I've said this before. My seats are on the wing but quite high up. So I can pretty much see how it all pans out. And I can tell you right now... <laughs> The West Coast teammates were looking for Gaff deliberately to try getting into the game. Mm. And that was evident. I don't care what anyone tells me, you could see it. And especially Luke Shuey, the captain, um, who was phenomenal until he got injured, obviously. Um, it was quite funny how it was playing out. They were they would literally look at him. It was like the complete opposite for the first two rounds. So, look, we all know Gaff's a great user of the ball and we all know he gut runs, but... West Coast dominated that game. It was easy for Gaff to get those plus sixes, and it was at Optus Stadium too. So, yeah, he played great. He showed us what, why, you know, or what he's done in the past and why we all, those current owners picked him. Um, can he sustain it? Who knows? I think he can. Um, I just think, and you said, you mentioned just now that his inside mid and centre bounce attendances were up. They definitely were up. Um Again, clear clear notice. So I think, though, the Shuey effect will have a slight effect on his scoring potential because what Shuey does is he uses the ball with poise. Like, he comes out of that centre clearance with poise and he knows what to do, when to use it, when to go long in forward 50, when to go on the outside, and he's just such a great user of the footy. So that will affect gaff scores, I have no doubt. But... Um, going forward, if, if West Coast is going to be up and about and ha- have a dominant ruckman in Adenui, put, putting it down the throat of the first-choice midfielder, then, um, yeah, Gaff's going to get some three-figure scores pretty consistently. Yeah, that, what we've seen on, in round three, that was actually just bordering, bordering on uh, ridiculous. So that was just way over the top for me. Uh, I, I, just got, a... I got to the point, I'll just start laughing because yeah. every time <laughs> somebody got the ball, man, I was sitting here in front of my eight screens and... Uh, like it was obviously just before half time, he's got you know, 50, 60, 70, and then just before, before half time, he just kept going. I go, oh, this is actually just, this is there and they're actually just over the top. They are just actually just feeding him the ball. So it was great for I was us. I sitting next to a mate yeah. and um, we were laughing about it, mate. It was, it was clear comical, but at the same time, Gaff looked like he was on a mission too. Like as much as his teammates were giving the ball, you could see he wanted to get that outside noise, like, tell the outside owners to bugger off, so to speak. You know, he, there was an article written about him, why is his form slump, yada, yada, yada. We, usual, we do that every week, man. Yeah, we usual knee-jerk reaction. But as much as West Coast were giving him the ball and getting him involved, he was pretty um, determined oh, yeah. to win that footy. 
um, jumping up and down, you know, when they're out on the outside, they're jumping up and down, I'm open, I'm open, you know, kick it to me type thing. He was doing that at every chance. So, yeah, um, a bit of change in body language and a, and a bit of his teammates getting him in and looking after him is 154. He's not going to love that. Yeah, it was great for us owners. But, you know, do you know those car yard sales? Do you know those, those sort of those machines they put out the front with those arms flapping, those... You know, those inflatable oh, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> like, every time he didn't have the ball, I was looking for him out in the wing, and like he those arms were just flapping. I go, they can't kick it to him. Surely they can't. Not out there. And they go, bang. I go, oh my god. But anyway, we divulge. We both got him. Actually, quite enjoyed that score on the weekend. Okay, some data here on Sam Walsh and Andrew Gaff. It's a comparison. It's just a little bit of a data pool I did today. So season disposals. Um, Sam Walsh is 97. Andrew Gaff is at 68. Uh, total points for the year. Uh, Sam Walsh is at 298. Andrew Gaff is at 284. Okay, averages Sam Walsh 99.3. Gaff at 94.7. Interestingly, points per disposal. Obviously, Sam Walsh would be lower. He's at 3.1 points per disposal. Andrew Gaff is at 4.2 points per disposal. So, round three disposals. We had Sam Walsh had 37 disposals for 116 points. Now, mm. Andrew Gaff had 36, one less, for 154 points. Yep. Okay. Now, we get into some more data here. Around one minute, around two minutes, around three minutes to see uh, who is playing more on the ground. So, round one, Sam Walsh 82, Gaff 90. Round two, Sam Walsh... 89, Gaff 91. Round 3, Sam Walsh 82, Gaff 87. So Gaff clearly spending more time on the ground. He's at 89.3, Sam Walsh is at 84.3. Okay, if we break all that down, you would think that Gaff would be the one here. But if Walsh can spend a little bit more time on the ground, his, his current rate at the moment is 1.18. And Andrew Gaff is at currently 1.06. Now, this is a very small sample size, only three rounds. So it just shows you that data can be skewed one way where you think, well, Gaff's the one because he's 4.2 uh, dis um, points per disposal. But when you look at your points per minute, it comes back the other way that Sam Walsh is the one. is at 1.18 points per minute and Gaff at 1.06. Again, small sample size, but that's the kind of data when looking to make key decisions throughout the year that you'll want to be looking at. Uh, it's it's whatever you think is more viable for you. Uh, but for me, most minutes, uh, points per minute, add that to, ro uh, to roll, team scoring ability, job security, and obviously player health there. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, it's always been about points per minute, hasn't it? So we really got to study those points per minutes and um, and pick the players accordingly. But, uh, yeah, well done, mate. That was a very, very good example of how we can get caught out. Okay, Chankov Jeff, CJ. He's playing that intercept marking role for the Hawks and obviously a line breaker as well with his speed, like or dislike. Yep. Uh, I want to say dislike here just because I think he can be a bit yo-yo. I think he can, you know, score great one week and then... All it will take is, you know, opposition to pin down on him a bit and not let him jump at the ball as much. Uh, I don't think Geelong did that. I think they just sort of let him do his thing and, and he had a free run. So 
um, as good as he was, and I just, he could be great again in, in the coming weeks, but I just think um, it's just going to take one opposition tactic f- to um, pin him down a bit, and he's going to score poorly. Yeah, obviously he's inexperienced, going to play against him here. I, I'm going to still say like, and I would think Clarko might just leave him there all year just to develop, so we'll see how that plays out. Sam Weeks for Sydney. Uh, a bit of a surprise packet for the Swans. Um he has played up and down a wing and obviously starts forward as well. Um, he's popped a few scores out early in the season. Like or dislike, Jep? Uh, dislike for me. I don't think, you know, he had round of one and two scores of 69 and 81 respectively. Richmond paid him no respect and Sydney were pretty dominant and he scores 124. I just, again, I probably a player that is dictated by his team's performance and how well he'd go. Yeah, dislike for me, only about a half forward type role. And especially, like, most most fantasy coaches would have Errol Goulden in the team. And you have Campbell pretty much in your team as well. You know, how many swans can you have in that team? Especially playing that half forward role, which Goulden and which do play. Okay, on to Jordan Clark. Another opportunity for Jordan Clark in a Geelong team that did slow down ball movement and he still didn't get a done Jep for me I have called quite a lot on Clark um, I do have him he's he's my target to trade out this week uh, pretty much had enough he could still pop with a few high ceiling games but you know we're talking about season long here we need him to go off pretty much every week for me dislike Jep your thoughts yeah just like offload him I would be offloading him if I could if I didn't have the um, Canelio and Hayden Young on to Cam Guthrie we did speak about him earlier Massive like for me. He comes in at the number two, number three for Geelong. I don't think he would get a tag. You know, I could be proven wrong over the course of the season. But, yeah, he's the one. And for Geelong, again, again, to slow down that ball movement, he's the one for me. Yeah, love it. Um, spot on there. If Geelong play their way, Cam Guthrie's going to score pretty damn well. Not every week, but he's he's going to score well most weeks. And after last yesterday's game, sorry, he's got a high ceiling. And we always knew that. Darcy Parrish, last week you weren't a fan. Have you changed your mind now? Just news today <laughs> that's come out is that Dylan Shield is now out pretty much for the remainder of the season. So it's going to be four months. So I don't think the Bombers are going to make the finals. So that pretty much rules him out to very late in the season at the earliest. Uh, had knee surgery. So... Parrish, we did see a spike in midfield. Uh, he did go off in pretty much a soft matchup against the Saints. I think he'll be used at a high rate. Now, we've seen Jake Stringer come back into that team, and what we did see with Stringer last year is that he will go into centre bounces uh, when he's healthy, and he will match up against the biggest, like the biggest and bulkiest top and the tallest type um, opposition mid, and that's what he did on in round three against Jack Steele. So for me, you know, obviously we've got McGrath there, we've got Merritt there, and we've got Parrish. So if you've got Merritt, do you go Parrish as well? I do have Merritt. I still like Parrish. He's an option for me. I'm going to just tick over to a little bit of a like. Your thoughts, Chip? Still a dislike for me, only because when Essendon play poorly and you think you know they're a bottom eight team, mm-hmm. a bottom ten team, um, when they when they actually get pantsed maybe by Sydney this week or Brisbane the week after or even Collingwood after that, then, yeah, what's he going to score? And I can pretty much guarantee it's not going to be great. So um, 
yeah, dislike. Yeah, it does have low floor, so it's just something to keep an eye on there. Uh, but yeah, for me, just a little bit of like there. Okay, onto his teammate, Andrew McGrath. Uh, obviously, if the Bombers going to play that fast ball movement, uh, that McGrath will be used at a high rate. I do like McGrath. Your thoughts, Chip? Yeah, he, I'd prefer McGrath over over Parrish. But again, same theory. If Essendon are going to get beaten around the bush, um, then it's going to make it harder for guys like McGrath and Parrish to score well. So dislike. And Adam Trelaw. Obviously, um, we're talking about Bont getting the tag, and then we're talking about McRae being the number two. And then Trelaw comes. What what numbers does he get? I mean, number four, number five. Like yeah. He, and and his disposal isn't that great by foot, so he's not going to no. get any attention. Uh, just it's just obviously a matter of how much usage he's going to get as an inside mid, and especially at centre bounces. You know, we know he's great at centre bounces. Does Dunkley move out of there? So therefore, does that mean Trelaw is going to spike? And if he's going to see high. If he's going to see a high centre bounce usage, he's a massive target for me. But don't forget, he did have an interrupted pre-season and he does have injury history. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, still more questions than answers for me with Trelaw. Um, had 106 against North Melbourne in a in a one-sided affair that included three goals. So mm. definite short-term is dislike. Long-term, you know, we, we keep our options open as always. Um, and there's... A slight chance for forward status, who knows? So, um, yeah, dislike for now. Okay, on to Carlton. Luke Parks made his AFL debut last week. He actually was quite solid, took a few intercept marks there as well. Uh, if you're looking for an option, there is one there. Uh, it might be a great score, but definitely an option for me. Uh, if you're looking to pay down and you don't have many options in that part of the ground, he's a like for me, Jeff. Yeah, like for me too, but um, bench cover only. Zach Butters, Port Adelaide. You know, Sam Pepper is coming back into that team uh, on the radar to come back into that team. He's returned to training. Uh, it's not going to be high usage for Butters at centre bounces. And his scores are going to fluctuate for me. It's dislike. I haven't liked him at any part. I think he's a great player. I think his inside contestable is very, very uh, elite. Uh, but for me, for fantasy, for me, it's a major dislike for me. Yeah, just like two, they got Motlock, Butters, Rose D, um, Fantasia, now Pal Pepper, all through that forward half. And Pal Pepper's going to have some centre bounce attendances, not many. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of bread to share around, um, and makes it hard to to score consistently over 100. So, yeah, dislike. Okay, on to Carlton. So we've talked about who gets the tag, and a bit of a question mark for me at least. You know, it could go to Walsh, but, you know, it's still Cripps is still high on the radar for opposition teams. The one player who is going to see high midfield usage, we know, is Zach Williams. For me, a massive like. Jep, your thoughts? Yeah, I like him too. What I, I like him for fantasy, and let's I'll just be clear with that answer. My concern is his fitness is still not there. Um, and he just looks like he just struggles that little bit. But... Yeah, he um he gets the fire in the belly, doesn't he? And, and you can see what an influence he has in those centre bounces. So it's a no-brainer to keep him in there. It's just got to correlate in these fantasy scores. And if that, I don't know how and when that's going to happen. So that might come with fitness a little bit. I, yeah, it's it's a bit of a weird one for me. I'm not doing it this week. You know, he he scored 77 in a game where Carlton dominated. So. 
Yeah, that's that sort of the poises the, the head scratch moment, um, and that's why I'm going to wait. Yeah, for those who watch the game, you got to you got to understand that he got a couple of big knocks in that game, so that reduced his time on ground. He spent a lot of time off the ground, um, uh, getting fixed yeah. out. So, for you know, for me, if he's going to see high midfield usage, I think that's going his scores will eventually come. But yeah, you just got to acknowledge that you know, what he did see. In round three, it was a couple of knocks that did impact his score. He got there late. He was looking like a pretty low score. And at some stage, I actually thought he was going to be um, taken out of the game. But anyway, he got through the game and should be good to go Good to go this week. Okay, onto his teammate, Lockie Fogarty. Half-forward role. He's getting the fantasy scores done. Like or dislike, Jep? No, dislike. Um, we've missed the boat, so to speak. His price awkwardly... I, again, Carlton dominated, so that resonated with more forward half ball. And obviously, he's a great user and delivery inside 50. Um, but yeah, I can't do it. On to Sydney, Chad Warner. Uh, discussed him previously. I'm a massive like. I still think he owns that role now, even with James Robon coming back into that team. He was fantastic in round three. Again, a like for me, Jeff. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely love him. Um, I thought he was one of Sydney's best players and then obviously got the Rising Star Award for the round. Tom Mitchell for Hawthorne. Did see Mark O'Connor as a tag, cooler role in round three. Uh, we know of his fantasy scores. Uh, for me, I would say like, uh, but yeah, he did have an interrupted preseason. So you've just got to keep that in mind uh, for the longevity of playing 23 games. Yeah, for me, it's a like, Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a huge like for me. I, You know, let's not discount who we're talking about. This is one of the biggest ball winners um, of the modern day. So, um, yeah, he got tagged for a reason. Um, but then over the next month, he plays Fremantle, Melbourne, Adelaide, St Kilda, West Coast, North Melbourne. So, um, well, that's over six weeks. I get excited. So, yeah, no, I like him to the point where I'm looking to bring him in this week. On to Jake Lloyd. Now, the Swans have started the score. So, in a rebuild phase, and again, I talked about this early in the podcast with Carlton in a rebuild phase, trying to restrict scoring. Sydney have gone through that, and obviously the scores have started to pop in recent years for Jake Lloyd. So, now Sydney have all of a sudden out of that phase with the influx of youth. So, scores have gone up from their point of view. Does that mean less opportunities in defence with that ball going east-west to Jake Lloyd and away from Jake Lloyd? So is it less opportunities? I still think he's going to be a very high scorer. We did see him uh, pop a score in round three against the Tigers, even though they scored well. What can we expect for the remainder of the year? It's still a massive like for me, but yeah, you know, the, the game plan has sort of changed for the Swans, which sort of does restrict his opportunities, Jeff. Yeah, it's a massive like for me too, mate. Um, I think there's no doubt Lloyd is one of the better defenders going forward from this point to the end of the season. It's just when you pull the trigger. Um, I think he's going to score really well against Essendon as well this week. So um, when you do bring him in, you know, he's a set-and-forget type player um, and he's pretty durable. So, yeah, it's just a question of when, not if. Yeah, again, if... Another point that I made, if coaches are shutting down their scoring and Sydney would be one that opposition teams want to shut down, well, then that potential for more opportunities across half-back. And we know Lloyd can score. Okay, on to the final one. Our mate, well, not really our mate. We both didn't like him at the start of the year, Chip. Uh, Paddy Dow, 
Um, what are you talk? What are you saying to people that still own him? I'm telling them to offload them quicker than they can blink an eye out. Almost to the point where if you've got to put Hayden Young on your bench um, to offload Paddy Dow sooner than do that, it's it's crazy. You know, you, the roles there, everything, all the boxes are ticked except for the you correlation. Yeah, you, yeah, you just done. can't get it done. So just get rid of him um, and, yeah, cut your losses, so to speak. There's um, young Michael Frederick from Fremantle who do a lot better job around the same price. So... There's a bit of a sideways option for those looking to offload Paddy Dow. Yeah, massive dislike for me to get out of there. Okay, Jeff. Uh, of course, this season we have an extra podcast solo pod dropping Monday night, Tuesday mornings, uh, and that will be a review of the previous weekend's data. Okay, it will be designed to provide you extra information in order for you to take your game to the next level. Podcasts between you and I, Jeff. They will drop on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, pretty much Tuesday nights, um, for the remainder of the season. Last words before we head into round four. Yeah, just um, be set in your ways and your trades. And if if anything, I would try have a little bit of cash at bank for um, first upgrades next week. Yeah, just smart decisions. Uh, no need to get tricky. It's a pretty simple game from here. Uh, you're scraping as much cash out of downgrades as possible and obviously upgrading into premium players. Okay, that's it for episode 73. Jep, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.